God. I'm glad you guys were able to tune in. If you like FCC, click like and subscribe. Follow us on Facebook. And I want to challenge you to uh, send this to somebody. Also, this is fertile ground here. Consider planting a seed. Visit us at uh, our Facebook page, FCC. God bless. We're currently on a series called A Blessed Life. And, and the blessed life is talking about stewardship. And it started with this. It's all about the heart. It also teaches us that things don't fill the void in your life that only God can fill. You can run around the world looking for different things, fame and fortune and attention and significance, but those things will all fall short compared to the glory of God and his call in your life. So today, we are on that portion of the Blessed Life series that asks the question, am I generous? If you would just welcome uh, Pastor Jamie. She's going to be bringing the message this morning and just make her feel welcome this morning. Amen. He kind of stole my intro. So, I mean, obviously not to welcome myself, but um, in, in talking about the title of the message this morning. So I am blessed. Um, I am thankful that I can come to you this morning and, and bring this portion of the series to you called Am I Generous? And so this message in particular is going to deal more with your offerings than your tithe. We've talked a lot about tithe and the importance of tithe and the command that God gives us to tithe, and that really reflects your obedience to your Heavenly Father. Your offering, however, reflects your heart, and that's where this message is going to go, is going to get to the, the depths of where, where is your heart this morning, and how does that um, let the Heavenly Father know the depths of your gratitude and your love for Him. So, let's Let's go there. So as we do this, uh, this message, though, as we talk about it, I want you to just continue to ask yourself, am I generous? As we go through what it means, ask yourself that question, am I generous? So I'm going to read from John 12, and we're going to start at 1. We're going to read through 7. It says, Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of oil. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii? And we're going to come back to that what that means, and given to the poor. This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box, and he used to take what was put in it. But Jesus said, let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you will have with you always, but me you do not always have. Can we pray this morning? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity that you have allowed me to have to come and to, to deliver this message to your people. Lord, I just ask that you would anoint my words this morning, Father, that they would be the words that you would have me to speak, and I also pray that you would anoint the hearts of your people, Father, that you would give them a mind to, to understand, Lord, a heart to, to make a change, Father God, and ears to hear. God, we just pray that you would have your way in the rest of this service. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So there are two hearts that are reflected in this passage, and that's what we're going to talk about. We have the heart of Mary, and we're going to ask the question, why would she give such an extravagant gift to, to Jesus? And then we have the heart of Judas, and we're going to answer that question is, why would this make him upset? That doesn't make any sense, right? Why would you care that she gave a gift to Jesus? So we're going to answer those questions, and that leads me to my very first point, which is point one, selfishness stands in the way of being generous. Generosity and selfishness are at odds within us all the time. We have to choose which one we're going to allow to win. So generosity begins with, or generous, begins with a G, and that's going to remind us that we want to reflect the heart of God. Selfishness begins with S, and that's going to remind us that that reflects the heart of Satan and something that we, we don't want to do. So let's talk about what selfishness is. It is lacking consideration for others. Primary concern, your primary concern is your, one, is your own personal um, profit or gain. This doesn't mean taking care of your needs. You're not selfish by taking care of your needs and making sure your bills are paid and that, you know, you have gas in your car and that there's food in, in the house. Those are not selfish things. You have clothes to wear. But when we can't see past the end of our own nose and our, our primary concern is just what we can always profit or what we can gain from the situation, that should let us know that selfishness has taken control. So with that, we're going to go back to verse 6. If they just want to throw up that, that first slide. And verse 6 says, this he said, not that he cared for the poor. He didn't have consideration for others. That was not his primary concern. But because he was a thief and had the money box, he held it. And he used to take what was put in it. So because he lost the opportunity to have personal gain or, or success or loss from being able to take that money from the money box is why Judas was upset. Not because he truly cared and wanted to really help the poor, but because he, had, he lost out on an opportunity to put money in his own pocket. So this leads a question, though, that Robert Morris asked in his message, is why would Jesus, because Jesus knows all, right? Why would he give the money box to Judas to hang on to? Why would he put him in charge of the money box, knowing his heart condition, knowing that later he was actually going to betray him for what? 30 pieces of silver. Judas had an issue with, with money. He liked it, and he liked it too well. So why would Jesus put him in that situation? And I want you to pay very close attention to the answer because it's not that Jesus was trying to tempt him. It's not that he was trying to trip him up because the word tells us, the Bible tells us, that God does not tempt us. He is not out to try and trick us into failing. He's not trying to put a stumbling block in our way, but oftentimes he will put a test in our path. He will test us, and this was an opportunity for Judas to pass the test. He was hoping that through this, Judas would have some growth in his heart, some change in his heart, and that he would pass the test when it came to, to money, or just his heart in general. And God will often test, not tempt, but he will often tempt or test us with our finances. Why? For one, in our finances, because we all, like, money, right? I mean, we need it. We can't do much without it. If you don't have money, it becomes a, a problem. And so God wants to begin to, to work in us a heart of generosity rather than selfishness. Also wants to work in you a heart to trust in your heavenly father. 
And so he will test us. We actually, we have an opportunity to pass the test every time you get paid. Whether that's weekly, biweekly, monthly, however often you get paid, you have an opportunity to pass the test. Testing reveals what is in your heart. My son Emmanuel just went through driver's training and he just had to take a, a test an 80-question test, which I'm really proud of him that he passed. Manuel struggles in testing. He, he gets just nervous. And so he did a really good job, and he passed. But before he will, that was a written test. Before he will actually be able to get his license, he will also have to take a road test. So it's not just the knowledge that he has in his brain as to do you know what the rules of the road are and what is legal and what's not legal, but now you have to walk it out. You have to show me that you can apply that knowledge. And so that is the testing that God gives us each and every time that we have an opportunity to pay tithes or pay offering when you get paid. That is the test is do you have the, the, not just the knowledge in here, but the wisdom in your heart to pass the test and to relinquish that tithe and that offering to your heavenly father. Okay. I can't see very well. So please don't say, give me yes or no. That I don't know. We're going to try it. So I have a video. We're just going to try for a moment and see if it works. Okay. I mean, you could watch it, but that ain't going to help you. So we're going <laughs> to skip past the video. It was just one moment. It was a video of a young lady um, giving her testimony and when she started to um, stop looking at herself, stop becoming selfish, and began to be generous. And so I'll get there for one second. But I want to um, go back for a quick moment. Robert Morris asked these two questions when he delivers this message, going back to being selfish and taking, as Judas did. Who would take from the offering plate as it was passed? I'm not asking for you to truly answer that this morning. But if the offering plate, as it was, passed before you this morning, I doubt any one of us would help ourselves to what was inside. Essentially, that is what Judas did. Now, it wasn't passed like it was necessarily here. They would collect it, and then he would, you know, be, could go off to the side, and he would help himself at that point, not necessarily right in front of everyone. But same thing, just asked differently. Who has ever kept money in their bank account, in their wallet, in their purse that belonged in the offering plate, that belonged to God's house, which we would be referring to then your tithe, because God says your tithe is, is giving, it's just what he, he has. Like, I mean, that's what we owe him. That's not something that we can, we can designate. It's not something we can choose. Our tithe is just the portion of our finances that belong to God. And when we choose to hang on to that and not give it, then we are much like Judas. What was Judas called? A thief. So when we choose to not give our tithe, we may not be taking from the offering plate, essentially pulling it out, but in the same way, we have become a thief as Judas. Now, I have one more question to take it one step further, and you may or may not need to pull your toes in for this, and I don't know. But how many have designated or said on their tithe envelope that they are giving tithe, and it's truly not 10% of your givings? Just think about it. I'm not asking you to raise your hands or to answer it. But tithe means a tenth. 
That's what it means. So when, when God asks for our tithe, he's asking for a 10% of your income. The problem I have when we designate or we mark on our envelope, I'm going to put 20 bucks in and I'm going to tithe if it's not your tithe, is you're going to get frustrated. For one, I've marked something that's untrue. So what does that make me? A liar. And I'm also a thief because I didn't give the whole 10%. So now I'm a thief and a liar, which are two big words that I don't want to be. But the other side of that is it makes you frustrated because, you know, oftentimes we teach that when you give unto the Lord, he's going to bless. When you give your tithe, he's going to bless you and he's going to return that back to you. But see, when you don't give fully your tithe, but you claim it as your tithe and you're, you're waiting for God's blessings to happen in your life and you don't see them. And so now you're angry, you're upset with God. God, where are you? Why aren't you blessing my finances? Why aren't you rebuking the devourer on my behalf? But you haven't truly done what he asked you to do. You've tried to cover it up and say, but Lord, I gave tithe. You know the story in the Bible about Ananias and Sapphira? I think pastor had mentioned it one other time, but I'm going to tell you really quickly. They didn't give tithe. They gave offering, but they were selling a piece of land and they said, whatever profit we make, we're going to give to the church. Now this was a choice they made. No one made them. Again, it wasn't even their tithe. It was just an offering, a choice that they made. Whatever we sell or whatever profit we make, we're going to give to the church. So they sold the land. They, they get their profit in their hand, and now they begin to become selfish. That's a lot of money. I don't know if we can give all of that to the church. How about we keep this much for ourselves, and we'll give this much to the church, but we're going to tell them that it was everything, and that's where they went wrong. They could have said we changed our minds. We're not going to give everything. We're going to give this amount. But they didn't. They decided to lie and say this is everything we made. This is all the profit that we had. Well, Holy Spirit started talking to some people, and they knew that that wasn't the full profit that they had made. And they asked them, are you sure that this is all that you made? Yep, that's all that we made. Essentially, Two people in, Ananias and Sapphira, separate times though, God struck them dead because they lied about their giving. They lied about something that they didn't even have to. And now we're talking about tithe though, where God commands us to tithe. But they, they lied instead of being truthful and God struck them dead. I'm not, gonna, I'm not here to tell you that God's going to strike you dead this morning by any means. However, when we give just a portion of something, and we want to call it tithe when it's not. It's a very dangerous ground to be walking because now I'm not only a thief, I am a liar, and I still haven't untied the, the hands of God to pour out the blessings in my life, and now I'm becoming a frustrated Christian. So I encourage you to work towards the point where you, not even work towards it, but you learn to trust God to give him a full 10% of your tithe. And if you're not, please don't mark it as tithe. That's a choice you have when you mark that. And don't become a thief and a liar by marking what is not true. All right, so going back to the video that we were going to see, it was about open, uh, uh, closed fists versus open hands. And the, the woman in there had, she was a very selfish person, always wanting to hoard and take care of um, or do what she wanted to do with her money. And um, 
she ended up losing, losing it all. Everything she was trying to hang on to, she ended up losing it all. And then later, God begins to work in her a heart of generosity. And she had a prescription that she needed to fill, and normally she said, I don't go to the pharmacy, but this particular day, I did. Unctioning the Holy Spirit to, to just go and get your prescription. Don't call it in. So she did, and she uh, decided to wait for her prescription to get filled. And in waiting, she heard, um, overheard another lady trying to get a prescription, and in wasn't covering it and it was going to cost a lot of money she never heard the amount that it was going to cost but it's going to cost a lot of money and God began to deal with her Holy Spirit began to tell her you know you can you can help that situation out so she did she walked up and she said I'd like to pay for um, your prescription whatever it is and and the lady was um, completely surprised and are you sure and I you know I, I don't know and she's like no I, I really would like to pay for your prescription and so she did she never asked the amount she never looked at it she just swiped her card and away they went and the lady asked her will you come with me to my car and so she did and and in the car was her her older mother and she said mom this is this lady just paid for your prescriptions and you know the the older lady began crying and thanking her for doing that and she said why would you do that and she said well because because I can and because you know that's what I should do and so they went on they were happy they got their prescriptions she went home told her husband I paid for this and and he said okay later the credit card statement comes in the mail and the husband's looking at it and he says do you do you know how much those prescriptions were she's like well no I I just paid for them and she doesn't give an amount, but she says, let me tell you, it was over $400. And then she says this, and this struck a chord with me when I heard it. She says, when God tells you to do it, you don't question the amount. You just do. When God tells you to do it, there's no reason to question the amount because it's not the amount that's going to change whether or not your heart is going to be obedient to the Heavenly Father. When God tells you to do it, he's going to make a way for anything else that needs to be done to be done. Amen? And that leads me to point number two, that generosity is extravagant. So now we're going to talk about the heart of Mary. She poured out an uh, oil that was worth a year's wages. So let's go back up to where um, Judah said, how come we didn't sell this for 300 denarii? We could have gotten 300 denarii. So what that means, denarii is plural for denarius. Denarius is equivalent to a year's wage. So how come we didn't sell this and get 300 denarii, which would be then pretty much a year, minus your weekends, how long you would take to, to work. It would cost, or it would take a whole year to be able to accumulate the, the amount of money that she needed to buy this oil and then to pour out on the feet of Jesus. So Mary poured out a whole year's worth of wages onto the feet of Jesus. That was extravagant. Extravagant means lacking restraint in spending money or using resources. God was extravagant in his giving of his one and only son to die on the cross for you and I. David gave what would be equivalent today to 21 billion billion dollars to the, the building of the temple. And now I'm going to give you a twist on the other side of the spectrum. The widow gave two mites all that she had, but that was extravagant giving. See, extravagant giving doesn't always boil down to the amount in which you gave. It's not a big dollar amount in which you gave, but it's the heart in which you give it. She didn't have the $21 billion to give, but she gave all that she had, trusting 
in the hand of Jesus. It wasn't the amount that, that equated the extravagance. It was the heart behind the giving. And I want you to remember that this morning. The amount is not what is extravagant. It is the heart, going back to your heart condition. See, because the amount, as we talked about David's 21 billion, the widow that only had two mites, that is, that is relative to your situation. Even going back to Mary giving a whole year's worth of wages, what that equated to, I don't know. I don't know what she made, if she made minimum wage or if she made $20 an hour. I don't know in today's terms. But nevertheless, it took her a year to get it. So I don't know what you make compared to what, what we make or what, what I would be able to bring in in a year. But we can all still be on the same level ground in the fact that a year's wage is a year's wage. Whatever that financially equates for you, it has still took you a year's worth of time to, to make that, right? We're all on the same page. Whether yours is bigger than mine, mine's bigger than yours, it still took us all a year. So would it be extravagant for you to give a whole year's wages to someone? Well, I'm glad some of you don't think so because God's really going to be able to use you. I think it would be extravagant to give a whole year's wages to someone. I think it would be extravagant to take that whole year's wages and pour it out onto someone's feet. Never to get it back. I can't scoop that oil back up. I can't scoop that perfume back up and stick it back in the bottle. It is gone. But see, Mary did that out of a grateful heart. But Mary did that for... Jesus' burial, because that was the only anointing that he, was, that he ever received for his burial. But she did that because of Jesus. When it comes to Jesus, whether we give a year's worth of wages to someone, and we're not giving it to Jesus, maybe we don't give it to the church, but we, we give it away, or whatever, we won't even say a whole year's worth of wages. But when we do it in the name of Jesus, when we do it because Jesus has called us, he has asked us, he has, he has prompted us to give, we can never outgive God. And it will never, ever go to waste because the Bible tells us what you do to the least of these, you do to me. So even if you're giving to someone else, when you're doing it at the unctioning of the Holy Spirit, and I want to I talk about that really quickly. I'm not asking you to go give a year's worth of wages away and then say, God, where's my blessing? For one, it doesn't work that way. But this only comes when God is telling you to give. You know, that, that when God blesses your heart when he is prompting you and you respond to the prompting of the Holy Spirit to act in a way that, is, that, that he's asking you to give, whatever that amount may be. Even if it's not an amount, it could be a time. I just want to clarify that. I, don't go on your own and give something away and then say, God, where are you? Because if God didn't tell you to do it, it's not his responsibility to replace it. Just want to... So, all right. So, can we give a gift that would impress God. The God that owns everything. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills, and actually it's, that's just a metaphor. He owns all the cattle. He owns all the gold and silver. The heavens streets are paved with gold. He uses it as asphalt. He has, there's um, 12 foundations to the new Jerusalem, all made of precious stone. And that is, okay, so the New Jerusalem is 1,380 miles long, 1,380 miles wide, and 1,380 miles high, all covered and made with precious stone. And his gates are made of pearl. So I ask you again, what could you give to impress the heart of God? 
going to talk about that. Because it's not anything material. I'll tell you that. Because God has everything. But the one thing that he may or may not have of yours this morning that you could give him. 2 Corinthians 8, 5 says, They first gave themselves to the Lord. The Old Testament says that the Lord rejoices over you. That word rejoice means he jumps up and down and twirls around at the thought of you. Just at the thought of you, our Heavenly Father jumps up and down and twirls around. The, the God that has everything gets excited when he thinks about you. So what is it that we could give to impress the heart of God this morning? Yourself. Your heart. And you can't say that you've given God your heart if he doesn't have your finances. Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. See, when God gets your heart, the fruit of that, the visible outward expression of that, is that he also gets your, your finances, that when he prompts you to do something, you do it, you give. When he asks you to give tithes, that you do that without question, and you give accordingly to what the Bible has asked you to give. When God gets your heart, the fruit of that, the outward expression, is that he visibly is shown in your giving. See, whatever decision we ever make, there's always going to be an outward expression of that, right? That's part of the reason we do baptism, too. When we, when we accept the Lord Jesus as our, as our Savior, now we want to get baptized, and that is an outward expression of the inward decision that I've made in my heart to have him become Lord and Savior. And then I begin to live in a way that honors and pleases him. The Bible says you will know them by their fruit. By the fruit that it, so when a tree is planted, if it's an apple tree, I'm going to see apples. And if it's not producing apples, I'm going to wonder if they gave me an apple tree or if they gave me some other kind of tree right? Because if I bought an apple tree and I planted it, I surely should get some apples. Just as we're, when we're Christians, when we give our lives to the Lord, we begin to live in such a way that the fruit of the Spirit is evident in us. The same way that when we give God our heart, the fruit of that, the outward expression, is visibly shown in our giving. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Robert Morris talks about three levels of giving. You have your tithes, your offerings, and your extravagant offerings. The sad thing is that only 5 to 7% of Christians ever reach that first level. 5 to 7% of Christians ever reach the first level of tithe. And what really is sad about that, because it breaks my heart when you really think about it, 95 to 93% of Christians never fully walk in the blessings of Jesus. They've never fully learned to trust in their heavenly father, to know that he is good, to know that he loves them, to know that he wants to pour out blessings upon their life, to know that he wants to rebuke the devourer on their behalf. They've never learned to fully trust in the hand of God. 95 to 93 percent of Christians never experience the freedom of trusting in God. They never experience the true heart of their father towards them. And I want to give you a, a little, I guess, visual this morning. So in 2 Kings, there is a story about Elisha and Gehazi. And so they were, I'm going to just, it's paraphrase right now. It's Jamie paraphrase. Um, they were in a cabin in the woods, and they are surrounded, about to be attacked by a mighty army. 
And Gehazi is concerned, and he's worried, and he's nervous, and he says, there's way more of them than there are of us. Second Kings 6, and we're actually going to start at 17. So he's more concerned. He's concerned that there's no way we're going we're gonna to win this. There's no way we're going to come out of this alive. And Elisha says, do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And then Elisha prayed. This is what I want you to get a hold of. Oh, Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw that the hills were full of horses and chariots of fire all around them. That was the Lord's army that was come to defend and fight on their behalf. But it was only with his spiritual eyes that, that Gehazi could see the army of the Lord fighting for them. And, of course, they overtook them. The army of the Lord fought for them, and, and they were fine. So how does that work for my Tithes and offerings, where does this fit in? I'm going to tell you. If you could only spiritually see the stack of money, we're going to take the 100% that you keep for yourself because you're, you're essentially saying, Lord, I don't trust that you can come through for me. I don't trust that you're going to make this work, so I'm going to keep this 100%. I'm going to do it my way. Or then 90% as you give that 10% to the Lord and you, you give that, that, the rest of that 90% that you keep, but now it's got the Lord's blessing and the Lord's anointing on it. If you could visually see with your spiritual eyes as Elisha prayed, oh, Lord, open his spiritual eyes, that 90% would be so much greater more than I can even show you, than that little stack of 100% that you had on your own because this 90% had the hand of the Lord all around it and the blessing of God to go with it. So if you could grab hold of, you truly have so much more when you have 90% in the hand of God than you do 100% all on your own. If you can learn to trust God and get to that first level, you will surely get to the two other two levels, the, the offerings and the extravagant offerings, because that first level is what breaks the curse and unties the hand of God for blessings to overflow in your life. My third and final point is generosity comes from a place of gratitude. So why did Mary give so extravagantly? We answered the question, why did Judas get so upset? It's because he was selfish. He wanted the money for himself. Why would Mary give such an extravagant gift? Because she was grateful. Just two months earlier, God had raised her brother Lazarus from the dead. Just two months earlier. And she was grateful for what God had done for her. That she was willing to give an extravagant gift unto the Lord. And can I tell you this morning that we have all been or maybe still are dead in your sins and your trespasses against God. And that when we accept him as our Lord and Savior, he has raised us to life again. That we now have eternal life with him to sit in, in heaven one day with him in, in rain. We've all been raised from, from, from dead to life. But can we get a hold of that this morning? Not to mention so many other things that we have to be grateful for, but if that is all you had to be grateful for, is that God allowed you to see the need that, that you had in your life for him and that you accepted him as your Lord and as your Savior and that he has raised you from, from the dead into eternal life with him, if that is all that you had, it would be enough to be grateful and to, to pour out extravagant givings unto the Lord. So what is generosity, though? Is to give without expecting anything in return. While selfishness is when we give to God. See, it can all, 
Selfishness is what we've already talked about, where we only can, we can't see past the end of our own nose. And it's all what we can personally gain from a situation or for somebody. But we can also give selfishly. We can give in a way that says, okay, God, I'm going to give this, but now you owe me. Now, where are your blessings? Where's, where's your, where's your uh, reward for me giving this? But see, generosity is when we give without expecting anything in return. See, the problem is we live in a very reward-based system, a reward-based world. We all do it. I've done it. I've done it with my kids. We do it at schools. You do it in your job. If you perform well, if you work well, if you show up on time, then you get this amount of raise. You know, our kids, we may say, you know, you fill up this chart with stickers because you did this one thing. Maybe you're trying to potty train them. Maybe you're trying to, I, we did it with the boys one time. We're trying to get, it stay, uh, get them to stay and sleep in their own rooms through the whole night. And if they filled up that whole chart with stickers because they did it, we went to Chuck E. Cheese. We do it at schools all the time. Oh, my goodness, do they do it at schools all the time. Way too much. It's gone over the edge. But anyways, if you, if you go to class... Oh, no, anyways, that's another, another time. So we live in a reward system. You do this to get something. And even when we, when we talk about tithes and offerings in the church, most often we say, give your tithes, give your offerings. God's going to bless you. God's going to throw up in the gates of heaven, and he's going to reward you for doing that. So give so that God can. And God does. He does reward. He does bless. But you know what he rewards? The heart. He's not rewarding the amount. Now, let me clarify something real quick. If we're talking about tithe, God's hands are still tied if it's not 10%, because that is what that means. It's like saying, bring me the blue crayon, and someone gives you the red. It just doesn't work. You need blue. You don't need red. He needs 10% in order for that to be considered tithe. But he doesn't reward the amount in which you give, but he rewards the heart in which you give it. So Robert Morris tells an example of a guy who lost a wallet, and there was $50 in the wallet. Someone finds it. They find his driver's license. They, they reach out. They connect. He returns it to, to the gentleman who lost it. And in return, the gentleman rewards him with 5000 And the guy says, well, wait a minute. Like, there's only 50 in the wallet. If I would have kept the wallet, all you would have been out was $50. Why are you giving me 5000 That's way too much. And he said, I'm not rewarding you based on the amount that you return to me. I'm rewarding you based on your honesty and based on your heart. And that is how our Heavenly Father works. He doesn't reward based on the amount in which we give, but he rewards based on our heart in which we give it. So as I end this morning, I ask you, what does your heart reveal? Judas had a heart of selfishness. We go back to that question, am I generous? Does your heart reveal a selfish heart? Maybe you don't necessarily keep for yourself or only look for what you can gain, but maybe you give only to get. Or does your heart reveal more the heart of Mary and it reveals a, a generous heart, a grateful heart? My challenge to you this morning, I always like to end with a challenge, is to give from a heart of gratefulness and obedience to God to desire to please God and the heart of God above all else.